Tate Chronicles now transmitting. Welcome to the Tate Chronicles on Healthcare Now Radio. And now, here's your host, Jim Tate. Good day, citizens of the free world from border to border, coast to coast, and to all the ships at sea. I bring you a warm welcome. This is your correspondent, Jim Tate, and thank you for tuning in to Tate Chronicles. We're at HEMS 2023 in Chicago. It was snowing two days ago. It's clear with a blue sky today. Join me as we cut through the fog that exists at the leading edge of healthcare technology. And today we have a very special guest, none other than Marcus Perez, president of Altera Digital Health. Marcus, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. There may be a little background noise. We're at HEMS 23. I think that's where we are. I think we're in Chicago. It was snowing two days ago. You told me, where were you two days ago, Australia or Singapore? Two days ago, I was in India. I don't, I don't know how It was 105 there. Okay, well, you're comfortable. First, tell me a little bit about Altera Digital Services, what you offer, and who your customers are. Sure. So Altera Digital Health, is uh, we provide uh, services, products and services to hospitals and large physician practices, EHRs, managed services, uh, professional services, all kinds of stuff, technology and uh, managed services people. Consulting. You do yeah. consulting. And so you mentioned EHR. Do you have your own EHR? We do. We have actually, we have three of them. Well, tell me about them. What are their names? So Sunrise and, part of it. and yeah. Paragon and yeah. Opal. And so are uh, some of those more focused on inpatient as opposed to ambulatory environments? or uh, They're all acute. Yeah. Uh, acute but care. then we also have uh, Touchworks, which is an ambulatory product. Yeah, sure. And uh, Sunrise has an ambulatory product built into it. You know, the whole EHR domain, what we've seen of that in the last, I don't know, I guess the real explosion took place with the uh, High Tech Act, the incentives yep. uh, for... Uh, the acquisition of EHRs, maybe we're, we were at 25 to 30% of uh, implementation. Maybe now we're at 80 or 90%. I hope so. I think so. Yeah. Most, yeah. I think most people have some form of an electronic health or electronic medical yeah. record. I think it really depends on how they use it, the functionality they need, how deep and, and broad they want to yeah. go. And y'all's uh, consulting side, do you help with regulatory compliance, coding issues, that kind of stuff? Um, our managed services really uh, are sort of uh, assisting in your IT shop at the hospital. So okay. it could be anything from filling a few staffing roles to uh, at PIH, the CIO is our employee. I got you, and, sure. And the entire, almost the entire uh, shop. Where are you based? Um, well, we have an office here in Chicago. Yep. We have another office in Raleigh. Oh, yeah. Um, Near me. I'm in Chapel Hill. Okay. We, yeah. we have people, you know, sort of scattered all over the world. Yeah. There are 2,216 employees in India, okay. uh, 5,600 employees total. So a true global, global company. Very much so. When did you start? When did Altera start? So we purchased the large uh, physician and hospital assets from uh, Allscripts May 2nd of last year. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 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 So... Altera is part of Harris Healthcare. Uh, Harris is a division of Constellation Software. Constellation is the publicly traded entity. So Constellation is an amalgamation of vertical market software companies. We have almost a thousand of them. Uh, So Constellation has a $55 billion market cap, uh, publicly traded for about 16 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the compounded annual growth rate on the CSI stock, which is... uh, 
the CAGR is how you measure sort of performance is 37%, which is better than Apple. Amazon, Google, Netflix, a whole bunch of other folks. Uber. Mar- Marcus, you mentioned that your uh, your client is the CIO. Yep. Over the last year or so, what kind of challenges have you been hearing from those CIOs? Well, I think it depends if it's a public or privately funded organization, right? Mm-hmm. So for the privates, the biggest driver for CEOs and CIOs right now is uh, revenue, right? Mm-hmm. So are you getting paid for all the work you're doing, right? The charge sure. capture with coding and, and how then you minimize claim denials and you get the cash in the door. I think for the privates, that is a huge deal, right? Almost uh, 80% of U.S.-based hospitals operated in the red last year. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, uh, healthcare hospitals are a business and helping those CIOs and CEOs run profitable businesses is really important because that's what allows them to provide great care. Now, your uh, company being globally focused, mm-hmm. if, if that's a focus, it's everything. Uh, and I don't want to knock on wood. Uh, I don't want to say we're at the end of the COVID pandemic, but in the U.S., the healthcare emergency declaration has expired. Right. Uh, and so the folks that you work with how were they affected? Was it mainly just financially that the patients weren't coming in or they were overwhelmed? Or Well, I think it's, it, you know, again, for the privates, it's just a matter of charge capture and insurance yeah. complexity. And, you know, if you think about what happens for, let's say, an appendectomy, right? You come in to have your appendix out and that has a certain code and that code has a certain reimbursement. Well, but if you have other comorbidities or other, other health issues, instead of staying in the hospital one night, you might stay five nights. But if you don't code that correctly, you just get reimbursed as a hospital. You just get reimbursed for the appendectomy. And so understanding the nuances of that uh, and most of that is manual back office work. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to do is use software, machine learning, AI, RPA, those kinds of things to help make sure that that process goes as smoothly as possible so again, the hospital captures as much of that revenue as quickly as they can, avoiding those claim denials and things like that. That's just one of the many, many things we do. Marcus, you you touched on us a hot point there when you said AI. I got to shiver up my spine. So um, talk to me about some potential use cases your organization sees, especially in the back office. Yep, I think AI, particularly around charge capture and being able to take clinical notes, Right. And using machine learning and AI start to be able to read those notes and code without a person. Right. Again, the, the beauty of AI and machine learning is the, the system actually learns as it goes and gets better and better and better. And so recognizing from physician notes without having to do any kind of coding work, be able to recognize from those notes how to put in the correct CPT codes mm-hmm. to maximize your charge capture is one thing we're really exploring, right? You know, is there, I'm just kind of an off topic here a little bit, but um, do you anticipate that you will be doing your own AI development or there'll be AI as a service that you can configure? That's right? really an interesting question. Yeah, yeah AI I, as a service. I'd like that. I think right now we're just trying to, we, we have developed our own sort of bots uh, for things like uh, support. Sure. Where a client can, uh, you know, they're having an issue and they can, you know, go to the bot to solve the issue before they call the support line. Yes. Those kinds of things. 
Um, I think we're just tapping the, t- you know, the scratch of the surface on what you can use machines to do. At the end of the day, though, all of those machines and software and services are really driven to give the clinician the right information at the right place at the right time yeah. to make the right decision because yeah. it's still about the clinician's interaction with the patient. You know, something that kind of fascinates me about uh, maybe the complexity of the work you do as a global company is the regulatory compliance yep. and reimbursement varies so yep. much from the U.S. where I don't know how many insurance companies we have, right. third parties to countries where there's one. Well, if you go to, say, uh, our customers in the U.K. Mm-hmm. or in Australia, their biggest focus right now is ramping. So they're publicly funded. And ramping is where uh, there's the throughput at the hospital for patients is mm-hmm. slow. And so patients are being treated in the ambulance parked on the ramp because there's no room in the hospital really? to get them in. And so yeah. the halls are lined with gurneys. There are patients in the ambulances getting treated by physicians from the ED. The problem with that, though, is, as you can imagine, if there's a patient in the ambulance, the ambulance can't be dispatched to get another patient. And so now you're, you have you know, people waiting three, four hours for an ambulance at home uh, and in those public health uh, mm-hmm. facilities, ramping is their number one concern. So how do we, again, use software and services to accelerate throughput so the hospital can move patients through the system faster so that they can get the ambulances off the ramp? You know, just a personal question I'm curious about. You are the president, I guess the buck stops with you, it does. of a global company. Yep. How do you keep track of everything? Are you using chat GPT <laughs> to make, build the daily list for you? You know what? I'm just an ex-military uh, guy. Uh-huh. Uh, I think you, you know, you, everything you can solve, you can solve in straight lines. Uh, right? We try to be very transparent and direct. Um, I'm still an old Franklin Planner user, so yeah. I, I, keep a, uh, I okay. keep a list of things every day. Yeah. And, uh, we have great, great, great leaders. Uh, we, when we bought these assets from Allscripts, we divided into eight business units. Okay, uh, it was the very first thing we did. We've been doing some other things now because ultimately, uh, we never divest assets, so we will never sell these. Oh wow! Uh, That's the, a commitment. One of the things that makes CSI great is that we don't ever divest the assets, and so mm-hmm. because we have this long view, this forever horizon view. You have to make the organization a business that can last forever. How do you do that? Well, it starts with making sure that you're insanely great for your clients. Uh, that hasn't always been the mantra. That wasn't the mantra of the assets we purchased. Uh, and so over the last 11 months, we're just trying to drive this culture of being insanely great for clients through the organization. Um, that's kind of job one. Yeah. Uh, and we have some great leaders throughout the organization, and now we're cultivating them on a different approach. We have at CSI, as you can imagine, with all these vertical market software companies, a, a set of best practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're teaching those best practices. Uh, we also at Harris have 10 core values. They're, mm-hmm. they're not uh, words on a screen or posters in an office. They are the filters through which we pass every decision. So something as simple as bad news doesn't get better with time. So if we have to deliver bad news, I'm write to, that down. yeah, if we have to deliver bad news to a client, we, yeah. we deliver the bad news as soon as we know it. And, and the reason is if you can acknowledge that there's a problem early, you have more time to solve the problem. And 
so we have 10 of those uh, okay. core values. There's some really interesting ones. That's one of them. One of my favorites is uh, empowerment at the point of contact. We mm-hmm. want the person closest to the decision making it, right? You, every decision can't possibly pass through me. Uh, so we have to teach people how to make decisions. And then we have to allow them to learn because not every decision they make will work. I've made lots and lots of mistakes in my 12 years at Harris. And you just have to learn from them, right? You mm-hmm. treat those as learnings. Uh, another one of our core values is uh, accountability, responsibility, and ownership, ARO. Kind of goes hand in glove with empowerment, right? So you you own the decisions you make, and it's okay to make mistakes as long as you're learning from them, but you have to own them. Well, that builds so, trust because right. you know nobody's trying to hide anything. You, you mentioned best practices. We'll get to that in just a minute. Sure. I just want to mention to our uh, listeners or viewers uh, if you're just joining this episode, I'm Jim Tate. In this episode of the Tate Chronicles, I'm speaking with none other than global globetrotter Marcus Perez, president of Altera Digital Health. Okay, so best practices, uh, interoperability. Oh, boy. Okay, so, uh, and I'm thinking uh, from the provider side. So suddenly they have all this extra data coming to what's called the edge, the edge of your EHRs. You have to figure out as an EHR company, what to do with that data that's sitting there and what type of workflows for the provider Mm -hmm. in terms of what they trust, what they integrate in their database. Is it too early to even ask those questions about? Well, I think if you, let's take a step back from the the EHR interoperability and and think of things in simple terms because yeah, I'm an ex-military guy. I think of things in very simple terms, right? So I look at the EHR as the electrical system in your house. Okay. Right? You want to plug in a toaster, you plug in a toaster. Yes. You want to plug in a coffee maker, you plug in a coffee maker. If you buy a new one, you don't have to buy a special one. You just buy a new one and you plug it in. Yes. So theoretically, that's how the EHR should work with data from other sources. More and more people are seeking care away from the hospital, right? They're, they're seeking home health, monitoring at home, right? All kinds of other ways to get care. So all of those organizations have their own way of capturing data. Now, that data has to be able to be plugged into the EHR. So right now in EHRs, what you have, all of us, Cerner, Epic, us, Meditech, anybody, single database, these single monolithic mm-hmm. database structures. Well, the problem with that is it's hard to plug stuff in. Right. And sure. so what we're moving towards is microservices, like a containerized approach to an infrastructure. So mm-hmm. if you want to make adjustments to the product, they're easy to do because you're removing a container, tweaking it and plugging it back in, which over time will create, right, with Fire APIs, the ability to just plug things in. What we want to be able to do is provide a framework for a hospital, but still give them flexibility and adaptability to be able to do the things that they think are the best ways to treat patients. There are some vendors in the space that it's only one way, and it's their way or no way. And I just think that that's limiting. Right? How do you help people provide the best care if you only give them one option? So we're maybe not ever going to be experts in, in something you know knee-deep in pathology. Sure. But there'll be a solution out there that is great for pathologists. Let's plug that in. Yeah, the way you do that is what we're building, which we call the platform of health. Okay. And so that platform of health, 
you you mentioned it is uh, acute care. Uh, what about uh, are you involved in telehealth, remote patient monitoring, correct? That kind of stuff. All that stuff has to be fully integratable, right? Yes. So you got to be able to plug that stuff in. We uh, do have ambulatory products. We have an ambulatory product called TouchWorks, which is just for large sure. physician practices. Sure. But we also have an ambulatory product that's embedded in Sunrise, and we're building one in Paragon now, an ambulatory product. So, again, what you want if you're a clinician is mm-hmm. the right data at the right place at the right time to make the right decision. That's the mantra. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what we're trying to do with the platform health. Well, um what challenges do you see move, moving forward for really the healthcare industry, specifically in the U.S.? Um, you know, I guess part of it touches on provider burnout, mm-hmm. which may be because of the technology, mm-hmm. because they're having to, for using some HRs, they have to be data input specialists. Mm-hmm. That's right. So what things do you see? And, of course, during COVID, we had the nursing shortage. Well, I think staffing is probably the number one uh, issue facing hospitals outside of the revenue. Mm-hmm. The, I think revenue still is the main driver for concern today. Again, when when four out of five hospitals lose money, uh, they have to be attuned to how do we maximize charge capture and sure. cash collections. Beyond that, though, you've got to figure you've got to think about uh, staffing levels and making sure that you can provide. Uh, enough staffing to be able to deliver the right kind of care. And I think that's becoming increasingly difficult. Uh, Part of that is burnout from maybe not just technology, but just overall burnout from the roles that clinicians play. Uh, And and some of it is is just, you know, people are getting older and and more and more treatment and there's more and more ways to get treatment. And so more and more ways to get treatment means more and more clinicians are needed and so i think that's also an issue well if you have providers seeing four patients an hour and they do that every day i mean that taxes you know the mind hopefully there could be some ai use cases in there right again where you want to find machine learning ai rpa those kinds of things uh are the things that are relatively manual and straightforward that you can automate right you're never going to automate the clinician's ability to provide the right care based on that clinician's experience uh, and expertise. And frankly, you don't want a bot doing that because the bot doesn't have intuition. Right. And there's so many things that AI can probably do, as you mentioned, uh, on the the backside. But we want a human somewhere in the loop when it involves direct patient care. No question. Yeah. No question. Uh, Certainly around things like clinical decision support. We don't want those to automatically fire and do anything right. without some type of oversight. That's right. What you want yeah. is the data to help you understand what decision to make, but not make the decision for you. Yes, I got you. Great. Well, uh, I appreciate your uh, time today. Any final thoughts you can give us? Well, we're only a year into this uh, acquisition, right? Oh, yeah. So uh, I think for us right now, our number one focus is, you know, providing uh, the best possible products and services to our clients. Uh, we've got a bit of a climb there uh, in terms of we have, a, I think, an obligation as an ex-military guy, right? We have a moral obligation to be absolutely insanely great for our clients. We're not there yet. Uh, we're working on it every day. And we believe in something called operational excellence, which is let's be a little bit better today than we were yesterday. And if we do that with a relentless focus day in and day out over time, we'll absolutely get there, right? It's the difference between motivation and discipline, right? 
Go ahead. Motivation is, uh, you know, you do it when you want to. Discipline is you do it every day regardless of how you feel. And we have to have this disciplined, uh, relentless focus on being insanely great for clients. There's another question I want to ask you because you sure. mentioned uh, this a- acquisition that you've been involved with the last couple of years. How do you bring a different culture into your culture? Yeah, How it's, does that happen? You know, again, because we're so grounded in our core values and the enduring organization and because we'll never sell the assets, there are no quick f- fixes. We just continue to drive the messaging, the best practices. We give people choices, right? We want to give every employee a choice. We want you to adhere to these things, do these best practices, have this discipline, focus on being a little bit better mm-hmm. today than you were yesterday. The alternative is you don't want to do that. And okay, then we're just not the organization for you. And so sure. we just, you know, you stay steady. It's sort of like uh, parenting, right? You got to yeah. you gotta be this consistent every day, uh, which is what we're doing. I'm going to write that down also, Marcus. <laughs> well, but, um, a couple more questions here. Sure. Just about your, so you were with Harris for how many years? Uh, almost 12 now. Almost 12. Yeah. And so how did you get started into the healthcare side of the thing? Were you in the military? Were you involved in healthcare? No. So I was a helicopter pilot in the military. Yeah. Um, and an instructor pilot. And then I was actually a college basketball coach for a while. No and, way. Where? Yeah. Uh, my last stop was University of Missouri. I worked for a guy named Quinn Snyder. Yeah. And so uh, I got into the private sector uh, when I got out of coaching. Not in uh, not in technology Marcus, or in healthcare. I was actually an inmate commissary sales. You're, uh, <laughs> Marcus Perez, the Renaissance man. Um, how can our listeners find out more about what you're doing at Altera Digital? Yeah, I think all you got to do is Google Altera Digital Health, and uh, we'll pop up. And we have all kinds of products uh, and and information on our website. Pick up right. a phone, call us, send us an email. Okay. Uh, we'll respond to Carrier Pigeon if you like. Okay. Right? Uh, we have offices in Chicago and Raleigh, and okay, and, right. uh, and we actually have offices around the world, so well, we're easy to find. Easy to find. Well, to our audience, thanks for joining me on this episode of the Take Chronicles, and I offer a special salute to my guest today, Mr. Marcus Perez, Voltaire Digital Health. Marcus, thanks for coming aboard today. Thanks so much for having me. I've enjoyed it. All right. You can find more information on this program's show page at healthcarenowradio.com. Until we meet again, here's wishing you smooth sailing and safe harbors. Tate Chronicles transmission ending now. Now, a view in two. The American Hospital Association has released a series of reports that showed hospitals and health systems will continue to face pressure on staff and resources while also dealing with rising expenses across the board in 2023. Deloitte's health system financial forecast is exceptionally turbulent. With me is Marcus Perez. He's the president of Altera Digital Health. As health system leaders navigate their financial constraints and look for technology solutions to address their challenges, what does Altera Digital Health have that's on the must-have list and why? Well, we have multiple uh, financial products within our suite, right? And beyond the products themselves, the solutions, we also have a managed services team 
that can help drive better charge capture, better cash collections, and uh, lower denials all through our RevCycle Center of Excellence. And so I would encourage anyone who wants to maximize charge capture and, and uh, cash collections to reach out to us about understanding the solutions as well as the RevCycle Center of Excellence. For the Healthcare Now Radio News Network, this has been A View in Two.